The following is a presentation of the Bellip Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. Welcome to the show, everyone. Trevor, it's another sunny weekend day here, and it's getting warmer finally. Uh, how's yeah, it going the, uh, in your neck of the woods? It, it actually warmed up this week. The uh, mountain of ice on my driveway is now completely gone. I had I felt like an iceberg of ice on my driveway for the better part of two weeks after the really cold snow, and then it was like really hard to shovel because it was like minus 40, and then it would, you know just didn't stop snowing and I probably ended up with about three inches thick of ice at the bottom of my driveway and finally finally got the rest got it all off yesterday because it's been above zero now for a better part of about four or five days and I'm done with winter yes I think I read I read a tweet earlier this week that in the Calgary area it's been like the second snowiest on record in in history for calgary i'm like yeah i can i can relate to that it's it's been odd because it's like snowed a ton and then melted snowed a ton and then melted and then earlier kind of in january or around christmas it snowed and then it stayed and they're like there's so much snow in my front yard i'm just I don't know if there's a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's getting there. I mean, we hit uh, in Edmonton. We hit seven degrees one day here in the last last week. So that was kind of nice. But kind of so we, we were talking a little bit just before we get into our other our actual topics. They talk about cooling down. Like again, you've mentioned before you you didn't you haven't you've missed some games in last night and you chose to not watch the Flames Dallas game and. It, for me, when I watch a game, I'm not always up and excited because, well, my team's played like shit for most of the season, and now they're winning games at the end of the season. But more so it's been a thing with my with Vancouver Canucks versus your Flames up until recently is all the, the well, I mean, you've had other negativity around the Flames, but the tank talk, right? Like it, it does, you know, for you and I doing the, the podcast, we're on social media a lot. We're, you know, trying to engage with people and things and you see so much of it following the fan, our fan bases. It's tough. You know, it's tough to, it gets to, it gets to you at a certain point, right? It's exhausting is a better word for it. Like, you know, running a podcast, you have to try to be on social media you have to try to get it out there. But to be brutally honest, I'm tired of being on social media and, you know, following fan bases and the flames and Canucks are two that I follow quite closely as well as the Oilers and the, the flames fan base this year is exhausting is a great word for it. A uh, friend of the show, John East hope kind of, he, he, he put in a chat with you and I about, you know, somebody just tweeted underneath. Hey, it might've been under the flames feed. It's just like this fan base has been insufferable the last you know, month and you kind of joked you're like month like <laughs> year like, he must, I think you said something like he must be new yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, 
Oh, I laugh, but it it's really taken a toll on me this season being a Flames fan. You know, the on ice product hasn't been great. You know, I, I just said it to you off air. We we can't not trip over our two feet. But then the negativity that that accompanies that by the by the fan base, you know, hashtag fire sutter, hashtag fuck Markstrom. Like it, it's just like the 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 instant gratification that the fan bases need is nuts. And it, I think it comes with the younger generation having it at, you know, the fingertips of Twitter. And, and they make a lot of really good points. Like there's a lot of the stuff that some of that fan base says that I agree with. But there's one thing that I, I don't necessarily agree with. And it's like the the ups and downs and the, the need for immediate results and immediate gratification that doesn't exist. And it, I, th- I really put it and re- attest it to you and I are a little bit older. When we watched the games in our 20s, there wasn't social media. There wasn't people telling us, you know, pointing out, you know, hey, so-and-so did this or hey, so-and-so did that. We had to watch the game and formulate a lot of these yeah. opinions ourselves because there was no talk online of, of you know, who did this and that. You had to read it in a newspaper. You know, those funny things that got delivered to your house every day. <laughs> You had to read it in the newspaper. Oh, you had to you wait had to for your mom and dad article. to finish with it too. Yeah, exactly. Or you had to read an article on TSN or Sportsnet or ESPN, or you actually had to like you had to formulate your own opinions. And I feel like as a result, I I have a deep understanding of what's going on on the ice. I'm not saying the younger generation doesn't, but I feel like a lot of it is formed for them instead of creating their own. Um, viewpoints from having to have a deep understanding and i see so much of it now on twitter of trying to tell me how to be a fan yeah as opposed the gatekeeping to is insane fan. the gate yeah. the gatekeeping is a great word for it it's like you know if you're not in the the click of oh markstrom sucks or oh fire sutter or oh zadorov sucks or oh trade besser like it, it the gatekeeping that goes on if you have like even a remote difference of opinion is just insane it's like whatever happened yeah. to you, hey i like your point i agree with it or hey i don't like your point i disagree with it and have a friendly chat instead of you know disagreeing with it and like, like getting mobbed like that that's the crazy part because okay, the mob mentality the minions you've got you know your, your leaders of the clique and uh they all have their little followers who will bow down to them and everything and you know it, it, they they have to have something where they say, okay, this is a BS point. Go, go tell them they're wrong. Uh, Cause there's certain people that you can't say, Hey, here's a differing opinion without having 15 people come at you and tell you're an idiot, even though you're not being an asshole in return, but that's what you're getting for trying to have yeah. a conversation about it. And I think too, like. And that's every I, fan base. That's oh, yeah. not unique to just our yeah. fan base. But the thing too, like like let's start. You said twenty years ago, we didn't have social media really to to have all this stuff and get the instant gratification. I think a big part of it too comes down to analytics, because analytics can tell you that a a, a good player is bad, and a bad player is good. Why? Because the good player who gets more ice time, put in more important uh, positions of of the game, more critical times, critical roles. Versus that low end player who maybe gets eight minutes a game 
doesn't go up against the team's top, right? Like, it's just they're there to do their job in eight minutes. That Oh, they're the great player, and this player sucks. Well, I remember one season, uh, I can't remember who they were comparing to, but they, like, analytics said that Luke Gazdick, when he was with the Oilers, was one of their best defensemen based on his numbers. Well, the guy hardly played, and he was a, he was really a, an enforcer. He was there to protect the stars. So, yeah, if you want to look at that analytics for his fighting and protecting and making sure McDavid and those guys were, were not, weren't getting cheap-shotted, sure, great player. When it comes to defense, I mean, you can't tell me Luke Gazdick is a top-four defenseman on any team in – well, maybe Arizona. Like, it just doesn't – it doesn't <laughs> – Analytics doesn't paint the whole picture. It is a fraction of what it is because you can't take just numbers on a page. And so many times you look at it with my job, your job, things like that. You know, when you get someone who is has never done the job, but is trying to tell you the process and they're like, oh, no, this will work. It looks, it looks great on paper. But when you put it into, you know, actuality, it doesn't work. Because just because you can put it on paper and say that it's great doesn't mean that it's going to translate. It's no different than with sports. So, yeah, it, it's, I mean, I get so much of that tank talk BS with Canucks Twitter because we were, we've were we been a bad team all season. So it uh, now with the Canucks winning some games at the end here, everyone's up in arms still about, oh, we're ruining the draft position. Ah, who cares? How many times have we seen a 10th, 14th? you know, ninth place team end up winning the lottery slim, but it happens. And again, just because you draft a player doesn't mean they're going to turn out. Right. Like let's be real. It's funny. You're talking about the tank talk and I'm going to go on a couple of points here. Cause I want to touch on your analytics as well. Uh, the tank talk. I looked just prior to the show and everyone's like, Oh, the flames need to lose to better their draft position. Realistically, the Flames can really only improve their draft position by maybe two spots. You, you've got Nashville right on their heels. You've got um, uh, Florida. They're tied with Florida with points. After that, like you're looking at St. Louis. I think they're 11 points ahead of St. Louis. Well, that's not going to happen. They're like 12 or 13 points ahead of Vancouver. Well, they're never going to fall back that far. They're six or seven points ahead of Ottawa. You know, they're, they're six points ahead of Buffalo. Like, you realistically are only going to improve your draft ranking by maybe two spots. What's the difference between picking 13 and 15? I'd rather this team than try to make the playoffs because there, there is no difference between picking 13th and 15th. You're going to get the same player. So why not cheer for a win to get into the playoffs? Oh, because then you don't have like the point quarter percent of a chance to get yeah. Connor Bedard. Seriously, who cares? Like the 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 tank talk right now is ridiculous. Well, yeah, and, we all know it's exhausting. Someone put this out, and I completely agree with this. We all know who's going to win the draft lottery because someone pointed out the draft lottery is what May twenty Eighth something or, or whatever, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. and then. The draft is a little bit later on or whatever, obviously, but we'll call it May 8th for the draft lottery. And then like May 23rd, Tempe, Arizona votes on the uh, Coyotes new sportsplex. So you can't tell me that there is not going to be some kind of miracle in the lottery room that doesn't say Arizona's picking first. And then they can spin that to the voters in Tempe to try and get them to approve that new billion 
plus dollar sportsplex they want to build. And then, oh, magically, another season later, Austin Matthews is a free agent and signs in Arizona. Like the the chip, the chips are set for this to go down in a very certain specific way. I, I like, hope you're wrong. Well, I saw someone tweet that and I'm like, God damn, that's some conspiracy level shit right there. But I 100% will sip from that cup, right? Like, I will not say that that won't happen at any point in time. Hey, Pittsburgh was on the verge of, you know, disappearing. And oh, my Lord, when it was a lottery ball pulled, Pittsburgh was pulled and the franchise was saved. Yeah. New arena, Stanley Cups, and a flourishing franchise. You can't tell I wanna, it won't happen again. I want to circle back again, and he brought up analytics. And analytics has changed how to be a fan as well. And I I like analytics because I it kind of it gives a overall kind of viewpoint of a player. But it's not the be all end all. I know there's a lot of, of people that think analytics are the be all end all. They're not. I'm tired of stats like expected goals for and expected goals against. And I think I heard it on the Calgary radio this week. It might've been Peter Labardius who said it, or Derek Wills voice of the Calgary Flames. who said, I'm tired of expected goals for, because the Calgary Flames are ridiculously high in expected goals for and expected goals against. And this is a perfect good reason why analytics are, are you can't trust them is the Flames analytically uh, grayed out to be one of the top end teams in the NHL. They're not. Yeah. They're they but but the the analytics say this should be a top five team in the NHL. They're best at generating shots and chances, they're the best at suppressing shots and chances. Yeah, from a guy who watches almost every game, as you alluded to, <laughs> missed a few. <laughs> their shot suppression and chance chance suppression. No, it's not there. And expected goals for and expected goals against. I prefer the stat actual goals for and actual goals against because I think those tell a little bit more of a story. And kind of to summarize, I guess, where we're going with this is being a fan has changed in the last five years. And I think you would agree with this as well. Whatever happened to just sitting back and cheering for your team and win and lose and, you know, you can – you can have some negativity on Twitter. That's fine. Uh, you can have a little bit of negativity, constructive criticism, let's call it. Yeah. But whatever happened to cheering for your team to win? The, the ultimate goal is to win a Stanley Cup, not win a draft lottery. So you should be cheering for your team to get into the playoffs. Because once you're into the playoffs, who knows? There's a good chance you get bounced in the first round, but there's a good chance you could go on a run. Also, part of that going on a run is you gain playoff experience, which then sets you up down the road for more playoff experience. Like, it's about wins and losses, not, you know, let's get back to just enjoying that. And it's become harder and harder to be a fan. And I know lots of people will say, well, then just turn off Twitter. Well, it's like, well, it's not that easy. Like, you can't just turn off Twitter. I, can, I, I choose to mute and I choose to block and I choose to scroll by a lot more than I did before. And I choose to not post stuff because I just don't feel like the the mob coming after you. But it, it's, it's definitely changed being a fan. And I just feel like a lot of the fans today don't have as deep of an understanding of the game 
because they didn't, they're not forced to, they get told how to be a fan and they get told who's good and who's bad. And that's every single fan base. It's, it's almost too bad, but to be fair, there are some really good points that do get said that do get brought up. And that's one of the reasons why I do stay is every once in a while, someone will say something and I'll be like, huh, didn't think of that. And yeah, I choose to probably still just scroll by and not reply, but (laughs) I I very much get some value out of, yeah, I never thought of that. Or that's a really good point. So that's the reason I guess I have to stay on their damn Twitter. Yeah. Well, I'll go through the goals for and goals against metrics that you're talking about. My expectations for goals for a lot. (laughs) Goals against (laughs) goals expected against none. Right. Like you talk about did shot generation or things like that. The Canucks won their game against the Kings in a shootout, 3-2. The Canucks had four shots in the first, two in the second. Managed to get eight in the third. Good for them. Uh, outshot the Kings 3-0 in overtime and one in a shootout. As I said to you again, the Canucks had six shots through 52 minutes of play. Just in, and insane. won. <laughs> and won the game. They were in the game. They were down 2-1 at that point in time. Like they they demoed that uh, that game and it uh, yeah it, it's just it's one of those things. It, analytics doesn't mean anything when you got games like that, you know. When you get a player that goes on a, on a heater and yeah, it's just it makes it hard to watch sometimes because you know that that game, even though it was a win, is going to get ripped apart for being a win, ripped apart for being a demco performance, and yeah, but that happens. That's what hockey and sports is. A player can go on a heater, and that's why you win. You you could have one guy hit a home run in baseball, and you win a one nothing game because yeah. the pitcher's pitching great. It comes down to just I think more so like baseball is definitely a one a one man show could finish you off. No matter how great your hitters are, if the pitcher's that much better that day, you ain't, you're not scoring any runs. And whatever happened to just it's entertainment? That's really yeah. really what it is. Is you know. Are games more entertaining in the playoffs? Yeah, they definitely are. You know, am I going to be disappointed that my team's probably not going to make the playoffs? Very much so. But I'm cheering for them to get to the playoffs because the playoffs are that much more exciting and more entertainment value. Like, whatever happened to just enjoying it for what it is? Because if I feel like that part of it's changed as well. Yeah, and that's the thing is a lot of these – and I mean, we're we're on a podcast right here talking sports and talking things. I don't think either one of you or I claim to be an expert in anything. Um, but, you know, based on if you look, go back and listen to a lot of our predictions and things like that, we get a lot of shit wrong. But that's the, we're just having fun talking about it, right? By no means am I am I going to sit here and say that I'm 100% right on something and I, I know for sure that this is the thing. It, but that's the thing is right now you get a lot of people who are coming across as uh, as armchair experts in this, as Trevor's camera is making a run on him. My camera keeps uh, tilting back and I keep trying to readjust it. And Ken's you know, laughing as he's watching my camera just quickly fade me. It's like I'm being faded out of a movie scene. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm about it. Probably about 30 seconds away from just seeing forehead right now at this point in time. <laughs> but yeah, it was just something like, you know, you and I talk about that stuff off, you know, through text and other times. It's a good time to bring that up and just be like, 
it's odd because I know you and I are huge sports fans. And when it comes to our, our teams or our leagues, like the CFL, I know you and I watch as many games as we can each week with the CFL. And it doesn't matter whether our team's playing or not. We could watch because we love the CFL. And uh, that you want to talk about that's gate, the reasons gatekeeping you league. Just, you brought up a really good point about the CFL. I don't see that negativity on the CFL near as much. No, I see the negativity of, oh, this league sucks and this it it's the NFL is better. Sure, I see that negativity, yeah. but and the, I don't the, see the day to day. The old fans and the rule changes and keep it the same, but that's part of the problem with the CFL is there are the old fans are threatening to walk away if the league tries to innovate to bring new fans in. Right. Like that's the I always say that is the part where you could compare slightly with what we're talking about with the NHL and our teams. Yeah, but I, I just don't see the negativity on let's call it CFL Twitter nearly to the extent that I see that kind of stuff on uh and uh NHL Twitter or even like I follow lots of Raptors fans and I see a lot of it in the NBA, Major League Baseball, like just Twitter in general is quite often just a negative platform, but I don't quite see it as much in the CFL. Maybe that's one of the reasons why I appreciate the CFL so much. Yeah, the CFL, you can actually have conversations and go back and forth with people and engage with the players. And it's generally always a respectable conversation in time when you, when, when you do get into that. So it's, uh, it's interesting how it works out sometimes because uh, yeah, sports is supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be fun. It's, you know, you, you're watching sports with your kids. I've got mine on the way here uh, pretty damn quick now. So uh, I, I know I'll be watching sports with them when they, as soon as they're here, <laughs> they'll be getting indoctrinated with sports right away. <laughs> nice. Well, that was kind of an impromptu conversation, Ken. I don't think we actually intended on having that conversation, but I'm glad we did. Yeah, it's always good to, you know, throw that in sometimes. Let's get on to some of our actual uh, topics, because I know we got some things in Are You Kidding Me to bring up. So Are You Kidding Me is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com, use the code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off. Trevor, why don't you kick us off? Okay, well, I'm going to go to the World Baseball Classic. And just in general, this has been like a, a, a lightning rod for controversy on Twitter. You know, we talk about negative Twitter, like the World Baseball Classic has been just a platform for negativity. And there was a very unfortunate uh, circumstance that happened in the Puerto Rico Dominican, Dominican Republic game. And... Edwin Diaz you know, gets the final out of the game. Puerto Rico stuns the Dominican Republic in, in a huge upset at the World Baseball Classic. Everybody's you know, cheering, and the next thing, Edwin Diaz down and pretty much suffers a season-ending injury. A couple things I want to take this on. This way, Abby's I want to take this. First of all, the, the players on the field – it was amazing to me, a very heartfelt moment. Like both players from both teams were just in shock, in tears, genuinely worried about Edwin Diaz. His brother, Alexis Diaz, like could hardly compose himself or keep it together. I was genuinely shocked at how the reaction of the players, and then on social media, like it was the love for Edwin Diaz. And that was just a reminder to me of, 
you know, these guys, sure, they're opponents on the field, but they're they're brothers. They're they really are brothers. And I just I was really, really impressed by the reaction of the players. What I wasn't impressed with and why I want to want to bring this up was some of the reaction online and even just not even just online everywhere about this is why you can't have a world baseball classic because somebody got hurt and now somebody's going to miss the season. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. You're talking about an event that is, has better ratings than the world series. People are saying nobody cares about the world baseball classic. Nobody who gives a shit. This is an exhibition game. This is just an exhibition. And now somebody got hurt and they just screwed over the real baseball of the New York Mets in the regular season. And I'm just like, that is such a ridiculous take. This is an event where players get to don the jerseys. And we're going to talk about wearing jerseys here again shortly. You get to don the jersey of your country. You get to represent your country best, pretty much best on best on the world stage. You don't get to do this often. Trey Turner said it after last night's game. He hits the game-winning grand slam uh, for USA to beat, uh, I think it was Venezuela. He goes, that's the biggest home run I've ever hit in my life, and that was the loudest crowd I've ever heard in my life. Don't tell me that the World Baseball Classic is just an exhibition. This is people care. I cared about Canada trying to get through to the second round. They were so close. I care about watching my players on my team. It was too bad that Vlad got hurt and couldn't represent the Dominican Republic because I wanted to watch him represent the Dominican Republic. You can't tell me that the sold-out buildings in Japan and the sold-out building in Miami and all over the world with the fans going nuts that nobody cares and this is an exhibition? Come on, are you kidding me? This is like, this is best on best. This is the best baseball you're going to get to watch. Like, it's like the, the NHL players going to the Olympics. That's the best hockey you're going to get to watch because it's the best players versus the best players. This is so far superior to a regular season Major League Baseball game. This is so far superior to a Toronto Blue Jays versus Baltimore Orioles game on July 17th, 2024. This outshines that by a mile. And to say it's an exhibition and we shouldn't hold these because somebody got hurt. Players get hurt in practice, shagging fly balls. You know, you get a pitcher shagging a fly ball in practice and he tears his ACL players get hurt outside all the outside of the facilities all the time, walking down the street, you, you know, slip and fall and break your ankle. Like it's a freak incident. This isn't an indictment on the world baseball classic. It was literally a freak injury. And then just to spin it as an exhibition that nobody cares about. And we shouldn't do this. I just, just dumb, just dumb. Like it wasn't, he was jumping up and down celebrating the win. Now, if you're jumping up and down, blew his knee out. Who's to say jumping up and down during a regular season game he wouldn't blow his knee out, right? Like, it was a nothing moment, really. It wasn't 
he wasn't throwing a pitch and the mound was horrible and he caught a cleat and whatever. Like, you want to say, oh, it's an exhibition game. You don't play. Well, then don't have spring training. Don't have don't have the exhibition yeah, exactly. in the season because how many players get hurt for the season? Like, oh, well, they're with their team, though. Right? Like, you made a good point. Like, this is best on the best. And the, the Major League Baseball likes to call their championship the World Series. It's played in two countries by players from all around the world. It's not a World Series. It is the Major League Baseball Championship. Like, but everyone, you know, NFL, oh, it's the World Championship, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or whoever, right? It, you know, you're, you're only in one country. You have very few other international players. Stop. Like, everyone wants to say that they're the world champions when you win a, uh, a trophy in North America. I don't think you see European soccer teams saying they're world champions when they win their league. No, they're the UEFA champions. They are the English champions. They are the German champs. Like it, it just it, North American sports teams want to throw a world on everything, and they're, they're not. But yeah, like these players want to represent their country. Their countries want to see their best playing together. And, and these players care. I swear, I got to jump oh, in. They, they these players do. care. You can we, tell they care. We see it in every sport. Like when when hockey players go to the Olympics or the world championships or, you know, the world cup of hockey, if we ever get another one, which we're supposed to, they want to put on their country's uniform. It's no different in baseball. And I think my biggest, are you kidding me moment out of the world baseball classic where I was just like, really was the other night, Mexico and Puerto Rico were playing and Mexico was wearing red jerseys and gray pants and Puerto Rico was wearing red jerseys and white pants and their hats were damn near the same and i'm like who the hell okayed this right like like why isn't mexico wearing green jerseys then and puerto rico wear red or puerto rico wear blue and mexico wear because i couldn't tell who the hell was on the field at bat or playing defense they would get a shot of the field i'm like why is there 25 guys in red on the field right now like that i think that was the most confusing part about the world baseball classic I, I know they get a lot of ratings. I know I tried to watch some of it, but the timings were everything. I don't think, from a Canadian standpoint, I don't think, I don't think they did enough to really kind of promote it. They had commercials for it, but I know I was trying to figure out when the hell games were on, and it was a pain in the ass. And I would have liked to try and see more. Um, but yeah, like you, you had Shohei Otani in Japan lighting um, up the competition there. Like Japan was what twenty-two to two one time, right? Like they just. This is the best on the best. And no, I think no one wants to recognize that. And we'll talk about this in a minute too, that Japan is, has a very flourishing professional league there where some of the very good players play and except for one. And, you know, again, I think most of the noise is coming out of North American fans. But I don't think you'll find an international fan who does not like this at all. I want to bring up one more point on this and I don't want to run a bit long on it. What's the biggest sporting event in the world? Soccer is the World Cup. The World Cup of soccer, where soccer players leave their host club or their, their normal clubs to play for their country. It is the biggest sporting event in the world. I don't think I ever hear anybody complaining 
about the World Cup of Soccer when somebody gets a, an injury, they're like, oh, that really, really hurt Brazil's chances. They're not going, oh, man, that really just screwed over Juventus. Like, why? How is this any different with the World Baseball Classic? This is. I'm going to give you kudos world, for Juventus. World Championship. The, the World Cup of Soccer, where it is. It is the biggest sporting event in the world because the best players are representing their color countries best on best. Players get hurt there. Nobody says shit. How is it different with the World Baseball Classic? They should be doing the World Baseball Classic, in my opinion, could be very similar to the World Cup of Soccer. If they would commit to doing this kind of every four years and getting the best of the best there, they should be doing this. Baseball's huge in, in the world. Like it's yeah, it's probably the second biggest sport in the world behind soccer. So why can it not become something like the World Cup of Soccer? And people are complaining about it being an exhibition. There is so much potential for this event to become so much more. Embrace it. Embrace yeah. the fact that it's the best on best because it's amazing. And I really hope baseball does let this take off. And make it, you know, go same idea as the World Cup of Soccer every four years. And you gotta have qualifiers to get there. Like run with it. Don't yeah, don't uh don't bash it because these are this is amazing. I mean, you can't like for exhibition probably has more passion than regular season games, considering Mexico and Canada wanted to beat the shit out of each other and pretty much almost did. Feel like the last time we had a world baseball classic in Arizona. Yeah, it's a and it's a bit of a bit of joke how people are going with it. And moving on to another joke, James Reimer. Again, yeah. we talked about this last week uh, about teams not wearing the pride jerseys and warm up. And James Reimer, you know, reared his ugly little head last night. And been, during the day before the game, before the Sharks played, um, came out with a statement how he's not going to wear the pride jersey because he's a devout Christian and it goes against what he believes. But he supports them. He he doesn't. He supports the pride community and 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 you know doesn't have anything against them. But just his Christian beliefs won't allow him to wear a jersey. Does your, your Christian beliefs allow you to wear military support jerseys? Um, you know things like that. Again, it's just I might get in trouble for saying this, but like it just seems that you know the excuse of hiding behind Christianity sometimes. Allows people That's to exactly mask means. their their bigotry and and shit like that. I'm gonna go another thing that he said, and, I, and I'm gonna read it because frankly, this is the epitome of for comparison. Well, you can't call me a racist because I have a colored friend or black friend or something like that. So we know Reimer and Nazem Kadri played together in Toronto for some years, so. I'm going to quote him. I'm going to read his statement here. What he said. So in Toronto, Nazem Kadri has a teammate. Loved him to death. I don't know exactly the extent of his faith, his Muslim faith, but he's Muslim. I think you could talk to him and ask him if I treated him any different. I love him. I competed with him on the ice. We joked around. We did life together. And yet people would understand if I wouldn't be able to wear a Muslim jersey in warm-ups, promoting the Muslim faith, being a Christian, and a follow in Christ. He himself would fully understand that. First off, 
Why the hell are you deflecting and putting anything on Nazem Kadri having to answer for your bullshit, Reimer? Man up. Own your BS and don't bring anyone else into it first off. That is such a cop-out to say, oh, I've got a Muslim friend. Good for you, right? Like that shouldn't be a, I'm a good person, check mark, right? Like the whole thing, you know, acceptance is acceptance. Part of the problem with sometimes with religion is, yes, be accepting as long as you be they believe what you believe. And if they don't, for lack of a better term, fuck them. That's exactly what this is. You're telling me for 15 minutes you couldn't wear this. So as a as a Christian, would you wear a, an indigenous warm-up jersey, rhymer, right? Would you, you know, do you have no problem wearing the military one? Do you have no problem wearing the St. Patrick's Day one, right? Do you, hey, I would love to go back, but I really don't want to waste time on this guy. How many games has James Reimer played on a Sunday? How devout of a Christian are you, James, if you're playing games on the Sabbath? Right? You can't tell me that you're that devout if you're willing to strap the pads on and dress for a game on a Sunday. You can't even sit on the bench, James, because that's going to work on the Sabbath. Like, are you kidding me? Can we just say, instead of hiding behind religion, hiding behind beliefs, just come out and say, I'm a shitty person who doesn't accept people for who they are. That's that's a whole lot easier. And I think you might get a little less flack for just being that honest. We're like, okay, yeah, you're an asshole. Sure, you are done with it. But are you kidding me? Like, this is just getting so old. I, I don't know what has to happen here, Trevor, but I mean, I don't know if the league mandate says you either do it or there's fines or suspension. I, I, I don't know. Or does the league, unfortunately, look at it and say, we got to scrap all this because... This just looks really shitty on the league. I don't know what the answer is. I, I don't think there is an answer. I don't think you can, you can't scrap it because then that's just completely undoing. Not that it already hasn't been undone. It's completely undoing what you're trying to do. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that. Like, I don't want to see it scrapped out. No, no, no. no. I just, it, it's taking away the 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 whole reason for it in the first place and that that's definitely not the answer but something something has to give and what i didn't like about this was that james reimer put out a statement because that then made the night about him yeah and not about what it should have been about and the fact that the sharks let him put out a statement uh shame on the sharks but that's far the shame I'm going to give the Sharks because they're leaders in in this, uh, I don't want to call it a space, but in this realm of promoting awareness, they're one of the leaders in the NHL. They, they're, you know, the Sharks are based in a city that are very close to San Francisco. That is a very, sorry, this is tough for me. This is just, it's so disappointing that you know james reimer maybe shouldn't be in san francisco the the sharks should maybe you know just tell james not to play for the rest of the season because th this made them look so bad and especially in that market like that the, there's a, a a very significant gay and lesbian population there and this just looks so bad and James yeah. Reimer made it about himself. I don't care that James Reimer has those feelings. I don't. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. 
But to take away from what this was supposed to be is what is disappointing. And I don't know. I'm, this is just, I'm sick and tired of talking about this and it's just getting worse. And, you know, the next Pride Night a team has, we're going to be talking about it again. Like this is, what, the fourth time this year that this has happened now? Yeah. Like, uh, well, before I go on to like, when you say we get, you know, talk about it again and how it's getting worse, I'm going to read Brian Burke's quote that he on about the Sharks Pride Night in this. I repeat that I'm extremely disappointed. I wish players would understand that the pride sweaters are about inclusion and welcoming everybody. A player wearing pride colors or tape isn't endorsing a set of values or enlisting in a cause. He is saying you are welcome here and you are in every single NHL building. And this is, you know, Brian Burke's son uh, who passed away was gay. This is something very, you know, important to him. And it, it's just disappointing that it keeps coming up and, you know, people that are who are affected by it have to keep going through this and see that, again, they're not welcome. Um, one disappointing thing, you know, we talked about our fan bases and Twitter and the negativity is Andre Kuzmenko is a huge hit right now with Vancouver. But there were people after this came out with James Reimer that people are legitimately saying, I'm waiting to get on the Kuzmenko train until I see what he does at the Pride Night. So he's already being judged because he's Russian, and there's been some other Russian players who have not participated because of their values. He's now being painted with this brush before we've even hit the date. And I think that is just completely wrong, right? Like, we're judging beforehand now. And it's just, it, it's a really shitty thing, so... Maybe what the teams need to do is is just healthy scratch these players, and don't let them don't let them make statements about it. Over you know, which then overshadows the importance of the night. But then, no, that the all players, that does is causes the the speculation, right? Like, if the players disagree with it, they can go to the team. The team can healthy scratch them that night. And if they, if the team really wants to protect their players, they can say upper body injury, at least doing that takes, a, isn't taking the focus away from what's really important in these events. Yeah. Just let the, this healthy scratch the player. Don't give a reason why let, let people speculate, even hell, let them railroad the player. If it is a player who's choosing not to wear the Jersey, then maybe they deserve it. Or just say they're out with an undisclosed injury or something. Just don't let those players take the focus away from what it is really supposed to be. It's overshadowing it, and that's wrong. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's the solution. Just healthy scratch them for an undisclosed reason. And people can come up with whatever judgment they want. And then the player can be asked about it post-game. And the player can choose to say why or why not. Yeah, you might you might run into a case like Montreal had the other night, though, where they were going to healthy scratch Jonathan Drouin because they uh, he was late, missed yet another meeting, but then because of an injury, couldn't keep him out of the lineup because he was healthy based on league rules. They had to dress him. So it's I just think it's it's at this point in time it's dumb. It's in every player's contract that you were to participate in these nights. 
you don't want to participate in them, don't sign a contract. Go play somewhere else then where you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, uh, there's no solution. They're they're really yeah. and it's disappointing. Well, we kind of touched on this with Japan and before, and we'll go there now. Um, One of your favorites, <sighs> piece of Trevor shit Bauer. This guy is. <laughs> yeah, Tre- Trevor Bauer um, signed a one-year, four million dollar deal to go play over in Japan. A lifelong dream of his, he says. Uh, his little video talking about going over there to play was beyond cringe, just like the rest of his career and everything about him. I don't want to talk about this too much. I think it's a bit of a joke. Like he's going over there, and I feel that who I feel on a sports side of things, who I feel for right now is the Dodgers because he's only going to Japan so that the Dodgers still have to pay him twenty-two million dollars this season. The only reason, if he played in the majors or anywhere else, I think in North America, Dodgers were only on the hook to pay the difference. So if someone wanted to sign him to a seven mil deal. They had to come up with the other $15 million. In this case, the Dodgers are on the hook for uh, $22 million, plus the $4 million Japan is going to pay him. And I think the fact that he's making any money is a bit of a joke. It's categorized as things we don't want to talk about. And hopefully this is kind of the last time we have to talk about Trevor Bauer. Hopefully he fades into oblivion. His career should hopefully be over, or he can just – you know, sign another one-year deal, maybe to play in Russia next year. Yeah. Or play, go go play in, you know, the in South America or South Africa. Go play anywhere. I don't care. I just, I don't want to hear about it anymore. Like, who cares? Just, yeah. Who cares? He's a terrible human being. And unfortunately, he's making millions and millions of dollars to be a terrible human being. And I don't want to talk about him anymore. Just yeah. good riddance. I hope this is it. So one last quick one, and I know you kind of brought this one up, Trev. So, yeah, I think it was last week, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about kind of NBA players in load management, and you know how we thought it was ridiculous for the fans of you know small market teams that were missing out, spending hundreds of dollars to see Kawhi play or LeBron play, and all of a sudden they didn't play. Well, the NBA is potentially thinking about a, a and the NBA Players Association about how do they curb this? And I don't know if it's going to be successful or not. Time will tell if it even happens. But they're talking about maybe putting a minimum games played on being able to win hardware, you know, MVP, Defensive Player of the Year. You know, maybe curtail LeBron taking five nights in a row off after, you know, breaking the scoring record and or Kawhi playing, you know, 40 games a year. And I guess it's a step in the right direction. I applaud it. I, you know, the fact they have to do this is the whole, are you kidding me of it all? Because you're a professional athlete being paid to play a sport, being paid to play, paid to play. Very well. Not paid to very well. They paid very well to play, yet they're choosing not to play. And the organizations are letting them not play. Last time I checked, I'm not allowed to. I get sick days. I'm allowed five of them in a year. I, I'm not allowed to choose when I'm going to go to work and not go to work. 
So why why are these players allowed to do that? Well, I guess they take five sick days. Sure, okay. You're allowed five games miss. That's it. You're playing 77 of 82 games. That's it. No one else is allowed to, so why are these guys paid to play? <laughs> yeah. This is so ridiculous. I don't really have much to add to this because I agree. Like this is just it, the fact it has to be done is is pathetic. But yeah. Um, I hope it happens. I hope it happens quick. Me too. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, well, that's we had a long. Are you kidding me today? We lost to talk about. Let us know what you think. Let us know your thoughts on the WBC players getting injured at the uh, at the tournament. Again, another player not wearing pride jerseys. Uh, you don't need to let us know what Trevor Bauer. We're done with him for for good. And the NBA minimum games. Let us know what you think about that. Is that are you on board or do you think, nah, let them sit? You don't care. You'll pay your money either way. Trevor's at the BleachCon1 on Twitter. I'm at the BleachCon2. Now, Trevor, it's time to go a little around the boards. There's been talk coming up because there was the the, the meetings recently. Um, and one of the big things that kind of was coming out that was rumored and people were trying to get the fire lit on this was, again, NHL expansion and there was two front runners that they were kind of talking about well you could do these two first and then these two after but the NHL expansion talk which was gaining some traction was for and don't ask me why Atlanta Houston I can understand Kansas City and of course you always got to throw in Quebec City to have a conversation that appeases the Canadians because you always got to give that glimmer of hope before you Pull the rug out from underneath everyone to get an eighth team in Canada. What are your thoughts on expansion talk? We're already at 32 teams. I don't know. I really don't. Like, if you go past 32, then I think you have the most teams in a professional sports league, which seems like you might be getting a little too many. Like, you know, 32 seems like a lot. It's good and balanced now. You got 16 and 16 on each side in the East and the West. For a period of time there, it was, what, 16 and 15? So it was actually, yeah. like, easier to make the playoffs in the West than it was the East and didn't really help our teams. But I, well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> well, we I think but, we didn't – didn't the West have the 16 teams? Right, right. It was the other way yeah. around. Damn the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Less it's, travel, less teams. What the hell? Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, you know, I – I very much like the economics of hockey. Like I, I love talking about contracts and the salary cap and player movement. And, and so I guess on that side of things, if this helps raise revenues, so you can help raise the salary cap, you can help, you know, bring more players to my team because there's a better cap. Sure. I'm, I like that. But if, if this is just going to dilute the talent pool even further in the NHL, which it very much potentially will. Now, yeah, according to a lot of teams, there's hundreds of NHL players in every and playing in every AHL team. But so I guess there wouldn't be a dilution of talent. Yeah, yeah that's sure. It. Yeah, I'd be more worried about the on ice product if you go and add two more teams. Let's say even if you had one, because you're now adding essentially 40 50 more players you know you've dressed 23 a night plus three or four you know 
who don't dress. So you're, you're looking at adding 50 more NHL players to the lineup, to the, to the league. You're looking at, you know, every team losing another good player or decent player. You're then looking at that team having to bring up an AHL level player to fulfill that roster spot. You know, I guess Matthew Phillips will be a full-time member of the Calgary Flames finally, even though I don't believe he's an NHLer. Atlanta. But that's what's that's what's that's what's gonna happen is you're gonna potentially dilute the talent pool. And you know, you may have to bring in 50 AHL players to cover it off, and 10 of those might be good, legit. Matthew Phillips might be one of those 10 of 50 legit NHL players that are in the AHL, but then you're bringing in 40-ish that aren't. Yeah. If they, they were that, if they were good enough to be in the NHL, they'd be in the NHL. And I know people might say, well, you got plugs like Milan Lucic playing in the NHL. Well, Milan Lucic is for his career has been an NHL player. You know, yeah. he's at the tail end of his career at this exactly. exact moment, might not be, but a lot of people would say, Well, then you you have those plugs, and it's like and you're going to replace him with another guy who's potentially not an worse. NHL player. Yeah, not You're potentially bringing 40 more of those into the league. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I, do I like expansion teams? I do. Do I Did I like when Vegas rolled through Calgary the first time five years ago? Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> did I like seeing the – do I like watching the Kraken? Yeah, it's cool. I like it. But it does grow old, and I, I'm leery. I'm leery. I think we've had it so – we've had it twice now in the last five years. And we went how many years before that without expansion? You've got a, a, a franchise in Arizona, which I think – I agree with you on the dilution of talent because I believe if you were to bring four teams in, even over, say, six years, go two one year, three years later, two another, that's a lot. That's 200 players you're not bringing into the league. There is not 200 NHL-ready players – in the AHL, KHL, other European leagues, yeah, it, it's very difficult to fill those good rosters. And you're messing with their, every other team. Also, that Gary Bettman can have four more teams paying for the Arizona Coyotes through revenue sharing. Like, to me, that's that's my concern as to why I think Bettman might say no or it's not on the front burner right now, but is absolutely wringing his hands because – what we're talking, what did Seattle and Vegas pay? Like almost 600 million plus to get in the league. So each, you know, if you just say for numbers, 600 million, you're looking at what, you know, billions of dollars to, you know, $2.4 billion to be spread around the other, there are 32 teams right now. Houston is a big market. They got an NHL-ready arena. You could say Atlanta has an NHL-ready arena because they were already there and failed. KC, they just held Monday. Twice. Uh, yeah. Well, the first time was a fire, so let's give them the, the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, the arena <laughs> burned down. KC just held, uh, I think it was Friday Night SmackDown in what looked to be a brand-new arena and had 15,000 people there for that. That's an NHL-ready arena. Quebec has an NHL-ready arena. They have the pieces to bring something in real quick. You don't got to wait for Vegas to build the arena. You don't have to wait for Seattle to get the arena built. You could put a franchise in there almost next season if you wanted to because they have the infrastructure ready to go, which is great if that's what you're looking at. But the problem is 
dilution of talent and then what you're bringing back in. I just give it a rest a bit. Like, you know, like the, the amount that it's happening, I think is too quick, too much. It's great. It's exciting. Yes. To see the lead up is huge and it, it, it's fun. And uh, it just, I don't know. I think it somewhat takes away from that experience. If every three years you're bringing in one or two new franchises, the novelty wears off, especially when the product gets worse, right? You're already talking about, you know, well, a lot of Toronto fans and Toronto doesn't like the playoff format because they got to play a good team off the hop. Well, are you now going to have still 82 games? Or are you going to have to go to 90 games with all these extra teams? Are you going to have to cut down on your rivalry games to, to accommodate these new teams? What are the playoffs going to look like if you got to go to 14 teams, whatever? How are you going to do it that's going to make it work where you're not completely screwing everything up? Right? I just, I don't get it. Let's get our house in order with the existing teams first. Yeah. Like, you know, you just, you brought up a good point. You know, winning solves a lot of stuff. Let's rewind the clock five years. Carolina was a dreadful market. The The Florida Panthers, for the most part, still are a dreadful market. And they're rolling out a team that's, you know, in the playoffs now every year, contending for a division, you know, fighting for their playoff lives this year. They're, they've, yet they still struggle to put fans in that building. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning for a long time struggled to put fans in that building. Arizona, like that, that's just a disaster. You know, we're starting to see it in markets like San Jose, who haven't had a good team in a long time. There's a lot of, um, they put lights on the seats now, so it doesn't look as empty as it is. Yeah. Let's worry about getting our own house in order first. Ottawa is a prime example. That's in Canada. They struggle to put asses in seats. We got to, the league has to figure out how to get asses in seats first in the existing markets they're in before expanding out too far. Or if they can't figure it out, then move a team. Move a team. And I know there's not as much money in moving, and that's why they don't want to do it. But, but I think there would Arizona be. There Houston. would be because every team would get to keep more of their own money as opposed to having to throw it in a pot to keep Arizona afloat. Right? Like that's not that's not speculation. That is a that is what's going on right now. 31 other teams would get to keep more of their own money and be able to do more with it than having to turn over a portion of their revenue over to the Coyotes to keep that team afloat when the owner is making no effort to improve the honest uh, product to draw more fans in to be able to easily get a vote passed in Tempe. Like that is, that's what's so yeah, frustrating about this. They, they've got a, the league's relatively stable right now, but there's some, there's some issue spots and it, the Anaheim Ducks are a terrible team. Yeah. They're, they're struggling to now put, 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 you know, get viewership. It's, they got to figure something out. They got to do something that just make makes it take off. And now they're looking at, you know, expanding that. I just, I, I struggle with the idea though. I do think expansion is fine. It, it, it creates a whole new set of things to talk about leading up to it. We'll talk about, 
you know, we'd be talking about the protection lists of the teams gives us tons of great material to talk oh, yeah. about, but for the viability of the league, it's like, let's, let's figure out a few of these spots first, well, namely this- one Arizona, like, Get that new building built, or get them the hell out of there. Like move, move to Houston, and you're not losing. If you go to Houston, you're not losing any of that TV market, which is also something they need to get in check because they're struggling for TV viewership because every other league is ahead of them in having their product being watched. Right? You texted me was it last weekend about that um, Rangers Capitals game where it was like what was it the big green game or something like that. Yeah, and, uh, the big like, city greens. Yeah, big city do they gotta do more of that stuff? Well, I, my my response to you is, what the hell are you talking about? I know because like, it wasn't on TV in Canada. I only I knew never, about it. I only knew about it because there was there was clips on Twitter. Yeah, there was I, like there was nothing done. Like that's how you bring in a newer generation by showing kids, hey, here's a real life hockey game as a cartoon. They'll get interested in watching that because it's what they want to see. And as they get older, guess what? They're going to start watching the real thing, right? It just—it was brilliant, and yet they didn't do, do anything. They didn't do anything to promote it. Like I didn't even know. I trust me, I'm a huge hockey fan. I didn't even know what the hell it was until yeah. it was literally happening on Twitter, and I—I I had to research what it was, and yet I couldn't watch it either. I wanted yeah. to watch it. And I couldn't. I just this league can't get out of their own way sometimes. And you, they need to do more events like the the big city greens. You know, the, the NFL does Nickelodeon broadcasts. Those are yeah. brilliant. Like you have to try to appeal to the kids because the kids are your next generation of fans. You They're have not just to in do one more. market. It can't just be in the state. They got to do it for like both sides of the border because I think. They try and do more for, and I, I guess, yes, the American audience is larger. But don't alienate and lose your Canadian market because they're not getting the same treatment and the same stuff, right? Like, share the wealth. You want, to, Canada you, want to, you want the kids to get excited about being an Arizona Coyotes fan? Then do that kind of Follow stuff. Follow Mike start, Gold on Twitter. Start, start uh, like, Start thinking outside of the box in that market of how do you get kids interested? You know, maybe maybe with every purchase of season tickets, you get a free set of skates and hockey gear for a kid to go out and learn how to skate and learn how to play hockey. Maybe you need to just start doing that kind of stuff in these markets in Anaheim where it's like, you know, they get them to the game and then get them on the ice after, because that's when, that's when kids are going to get excited about what it is. Hey, I went and watched all these guys skating and then I went skating myself. Man, that was cool. Like that was awesome. And they are seeing that more though, with the impact of the teams and some of these, what can be considered non-traditional markets. Austin Matthews is from Arizona and he's one of the top players in the league. You know, that's that's one player. Well, no, but that, that's Demko is from San Diego. Right, grew up Southern California, so he would have been around the Kings, and, and the the Ducks are kind of in that. They're not like close, close, but they're there. Right, the influence of that uh, isn't Trevor Zegers from the California area too. Yeah. Like you, you're starting, and I, I'm not saying it's a you know tsunami of talent coming from these places, but you're seeing it more where some of the top, the better players in the league, 
are starting to come from what you would consider non-traditional yep. American markets because the NHL went to those markets, right? But why did anyone give a shit about the Kings early? Like, you know, when did that really start? When Wayne Gretzky went there and gave them a reason to watch, right? Um, the Kings started winning cups in the, in the, what was it? The, you know, the 2012, 2014, you know, they started being, a, the, the Ducks won a cup. All of that, like it draws more eyes onto it when you have a competitive product on the ice that can win because no one's going to spend money to go watch a loser, right? Because they're just not. That's why Arizona wasn't paying their bills and got evicted, evicted from their arena because they didn't have the money or the owner just was cheap as hell and didn't want to pay their bills, right? Like no one's going to watch that. Why would you go? Like even the Arizona Canucks game that was, you know, last week, there's a lot of Canuck fans there, right? Like they're not even filling that 4,600 seat stadium arena with their own fans. It should be impossible at 4,600 seats to get a visiting fan in there because how can you not have that many fans or more than that in one area, right? Well, like, it's, even, it's, it's even less than that because they, they section off an area of that building, I think they, it was eight or 900 tickets are given to the Arizona state kid uh, students. Yeah. So it's even less than that. Yeah. They're not, they might have sellouts when you got almost a quarter of your fan, you know, your arena filled with free tickets. We'll probably see more of that. I'll probably be up to about 1500 next season just to make sure that it's full. And we started this this show with a talk about the World Baseball Classic. You want to grow the game, that, that's how you grow the game. The NHL needs to grow the game. Let's start having the World Cup of Hockey again. Let's start having – they used to do it all the time. There was the Canada Cup. There yeah. was the World Cup. When you're talking the – the NHL was peak – in the 90s, early 2000s, the NHL had better viewership than the NBA. Think about that. The NHL was a bigger draw than the NBA not more than 20-something years ago. The NHL has done nothing to really expand and grow the game. you got to start having, you know, get it on the global stage, the World Cup of Hockey, the the Olympics, the, the NHL players, instead of it being a negotiating tool in a freaking collective bargaining agreement, just make them go. Like the the, the players want to be there. It is such a global ex, exhibition that's so it's the, the hockey is so good when it's best on best. You need to be doing this every two, three, four years. That helps grow the game. It's unbelievable that we haven't had a World Cup of Hockey since what 2015, 20, something. 20, it's been something way too like long. that. Like I, I would it's, rather, it's unbelievable. So I got two points, like two things. Like I'll touch on the um World Cup of Hockey in a second here, but you talked about how when you know the NHL had better viewership of than the NBA in that, but here's what happens. How many people on the East Coast? will stay up and watch a game because LeBron James is playing. How many people will stay up on the, on the certain East coast will watch, you know, the, the Clippers play because it's Kawhi Leonard, things like that. Right. Like how many people on the, the East are willing to stay up late to watch their star players? 
I would say a lot of them because the NBA promotes their top players. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I know I'm a Canucks fan. I'm going back to the Canucks and I know Elias Pettersson is not on the same level as like, say a Connor McDavid or, uh, you know, necessarily an Austin Matthews or some of those guys that are out in the East, we'll say. But Elias Pettersson is a hell of a player for the Canucks. He is, I would say, a top player in the league. He's not, you know, top three. I'm not trying to push that narrative, but he's a top player. And it, I think it was John Shannon or someone always like that was on Canuck Radio, and they asked him how many people in the East, in the media, are talking about Elias Pettersson and what he's doing this season. And the answer was no one. No one. Why? Because the league picks two to three players and rides their coattails nonstop. And that's a huge problem because you've got so many great players. If Jonathan Huberto was a Calgary player from draft to now and he was putting up the type of numbers he would, hardly anyone in the East would talk about him because no one stays up to watch the games, right? When you talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs coming out West, well, what happens to the Western teams? They play their games at four o'clock to appease the East. Well, you want to promote your players in the West and have Toronto fans and other fans in the in the East go, oh shit, that uh Marshall's really good goaltender. Or, oh man, Demko, Patterson, Hughes, those guys are really good. Trevor Zegers, man, he's a good player. Right? The league doesn't do enough to promote their stars. They pick McDavid, or they'll pick a Kane, they'll pick whoever, Matthews. And that's all they push out. And the rest of the league go, well, who the hell is this guy? Holy crap. This Patterson's going to have a 100-point season? Where did he come from? Well, like, to me, there's just the NHL doesn't do enough to push those stars. As for the World uh, Cup of Hockey, I would much rather see them do that every four years or every two years and skip the Olympics because going to the Olympics is, is great. Sure. But if the NHL is putting on the World Cup of Hockey, guess what they have control over? Location, ticket sales, merchandise sales, and time everything zone. else. Exactly, time zone. Venue choice. It can be a prime time event. Now, I'm not saying hold it in North America every time. But if you go every two years, one year it's in North America, one year it's in Europe. Then it comes back to North America, and then it's back. Like you can control it so that you have more of the narrative on when the games are played. It isn't interrupting your season, and you financially benefit from doing this. It is the NHL's World Cup of Hockey, and you get all the benefits that go with it, and you can have all the team tie-ins that you want. You could have every Canadian, American, Swedish, Finnish whatever team playing and guess what's on their jerseys just like the all-star game when they went to like a they had the logo the shield on the jersey you put the team's nhl team on their shoulder guess what happens then oh hey that swedish player elias patterson he plays for the canucks i'm gonna check that guy out hey that canadian player jonathan huberto plays for the calgary flames he's pretty good i'm gonna check him out you're going to draw more interest from the international crowd to the NHL franchise that they play for. Like, I would much rather see them skip the Olympics where they get no benefit. Because all you're seeing is Canadian Connor McDavid. with No mention of the Oilers, especially on the international broadcasts. 
Again, the Canadian ones, that's all they're talking about, right? But I think you do more service to the NHL if you just did that. Yeah, you make a really, really good point about marketing the players and the World Cup would be a perfect example of it. <clears throat> they they don't market the players. They don't. like For how long was the NHL Crosby versus Ovechkin? That was forever. it. Forever. Yeah. And then, you know, the Chicago Blackhawks forced their way into that conversation because they won a couple of Stanley Cups with Kane and Taves. And all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe we should pay attention to this Patrick Kane guy. They're not promoting enough superstars around the league. You've got one of the best players in the NHL in Jason Robertson playing in Dallas. Very Unless you're a Dallas Stars fan, very few people know about Jason Robertson. And that's a shame. These guys should be – these should be the guys talking after every game. These should be the guys on ESPN Sports Center in front of a microphone after every game. These are the guys that should be doing ads. Their face should be all over every city that they're in. Everybody should know what Jason Robertson looks like in the Southern USA, in the in Texas, in San Antonio, in, in Houston, in Dallas – there should be Jason Robertson billboards everywhere. There's not. There should be Trevor Zegras billboards in beside Disneyland. There's not. They just, they don't promote. They don't promote their players. I, I bet you could ask a New York Islanders fan, just an average fan, to name five Seattle Kraken players. I bet they couldn't. Like, there's just no exposure. You, that is where the NBA did it right. And they 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 are a league built around superstars, and they market the hell out of those superstars. When were the Toronto Raptors peak? Toronto Raptors, Vincent, the the yeah. Toronto Raptors put themselves on the map because the NBA did a phenomenal job of marketing Vince Carter, and now the Toronto Raptors are one of the most are a very successful NBA franchise. They they marketed. Vince Carter. When was the last time the NHL marketed Johnny Goudreau when he was a Calgary Flame? Well, they didn't. No, they didn't. They the they, they missed so either. many. No, they should look at getting. I like your point about you know the, the Toronto Maple Leafs are out west, so let's make the games earlier for those fans on Hockey Night in Canada. Why don't we do that every Saturday? Who cares about the because in Canada, there's a 5 o'clock slot and an 8 o'clock slot for Hockey Night in Canada. Who cares? Let's abolish that 8 o'clock slot. And let's get every game starting at 6 p.m., 5 p.m. local time on Saturdays and Sundays. Let's get those games in prime time across the country. And let's get more of those games on TV nationally. Well, Even in the United States, TNT, TNT, get a Calgary Flames versus Florida Panthers game on nationally for everybody to see. They, they, they don't market the stars. Get a Vancouver Canucks. Get a Winnipeg Jets game. Connor Hellebuck is an amazing goalie that nobody knows about. Yeah, Get these guys on primetime TV on national broadcast every Saturday. And I'm not saying the Flames have to be on every Saturday. But one of these teams has to be on national TV across the country starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Well, that's that's doable. 
I say you should because you, you do it like the NFL does, right? You take Saturday, Sunday as your, you know, their big weekends. That's when they play. So what you what you do is you take there's there's two parts to this. You make Saturday an all day hockey day. You start it maybe at noon or whatever time, right? Like you start it early enough and you can make it a day. And you have over the course of the weekend, if you can't get them all in on a Saturday, you have every Canadian team playing Saturday and you finish with that, you know, six, seven o'clock Eastern start, right? Which is still early enough. It's maybe you push it seven thirty Eastern so that you're not having the game start at uh, 4 PM Pacific out, uh, out West. And then you got nothing for the rest of the night. Maybe you put a replay on or something of the best game from the day gets replayed at that eight o'clock or that later slot. And you do the same on Sunday and you get, you make it the weekend out of it like the NFL does so that you get that exposure and you drop the regional blackouts because that's the biggest thing. Regional blackouts does not give a a person, a hockey fan outside the area, a chance to watch those teams without having to shell out hundreds of dollars to do it. You know, we make it sound so easy, but you you bring uh, up a good point because a lot of people can't afford to go to a game anymore. And and that's another problem with the league, but that's every sports league, but you got to make it accessible. So kids can go to a game. There there needs to be $20 kid tickets. So mom and dad can pay, you know, 60, 70, 80 bucks, but make the kids tickets $20. So you can afford to take them to the game. Hell, make them $10 or buy two, get one free. Like, I don't know what you got to do, but you got to get the kids at the games and you got to get the kids watching the games. I'm sorry, 10 p.m. start in New York City. A kid is not going to get to see Elias Pedersen. A kid is not going to get to see Trevor Zegers. A kid is not going to get to see Ange Kopitar in New York City because that game starts at 10 p.m. How about they go traditionally it's been a 5 p.m. and an 8 p.m. start. Well, why do we go to a 3 p.m. and a 6 p.m. start? And I'm talking mountain time. So let's, I guess that's what five and uh, five and, and seven or whatever, like get these games on earlier, earlier in the day. So people can watch, you said it makes Saturday an all day hockey event. Well, maybe you have do what the NFL does exactly what they do. You have a block of games at noon, and then you have a block of games four hours later. And every single one of them is on TV. Yeah. Like, you, you got to do something to get the younger eyes on these games, because they're not. Or if, you get, if you're paying for Sportsnet now, do, pick, do side-by-sides. Let the, let the person put one game on the left side of the screen and another game on the right side of the screen, and, you know, they can go mad trying to watch two games at once. But right, like right now, if I go on Sportsnet now to watch a game, I'm watching one game. Unless I then come up and get on my computer and I throw up two two screens of games, one on my iPad, you know, another one on my phone. Like that's the other thing. You got so many games at one time that you might want to watch, but you can't. Right? Like it's and then you go days without games. You like you could have seven to twelve games on a Tuesday night, and then Wednesday there's one, Thursday there's one. Friday, there's 19 games, and then there's, you know, 25 on set. Like, you just – and they're all at the same time. So how do you pick and choose? The schedule really comes down to it, too. It's not even. Like, you're not having an even amount of games that are potentially watchable for all. And you also don't have the teams visiting each other enough to really get to see those players either, 
right? Like if you want to watch a, a Trevor Seagrass, you're not watching your team versus Anaheim, say three times a season, you're watching maybe twice if you get the time zone. And it's just, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to be a fan sometimes. The NHL doesn't do themselves any service. No, not at all. Not yeah. at all. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Hopefully this, uh, for me, I'd like to see a little pump the brakes on the expansion talk. So, for me, I hope we can just kind of put this on the side burner, very, very, very side back burner, and let it uh, percolate a little bit longer until it actually makes sense. That's just my two cents on it. Yeah, I'm yeah pretty I mean, much in agreement. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Uh, let us know what you think on the expansion. Do you want to see more teams sooner or later, you know, would you rather see a every two years a World Cup of Hockey? And you know, how would you market the top players in the NHL to every fan? Let us know what you think. I'm at the BleacherCon two on Twitter. Trevor's at the BleacherCon one. Lost stuff to cover off today. Hopefully, some of it we don't talk about it again because it just stops happening. Looking in your direction, James Reimer, Trevor Bauer. No more. We're done with your guys' BS. But it's a lot to take in. Um, if you want to look for more sports, different sports, go to bellyupsports.com. Check out the different podcasts, all the articles. There's lots to, lots to partake in. That's our show for this week. We'll be back again soon. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thanks, everyone.